Promise No Promises The Tail and the Tongue Episode 15 Stories of Friendship The podcast Promise No Promises unfolds a further chapter The Tail and the Tongue this series of episodes arises from conversations between curator and writer Sonia Fernandez-Pan and guests from different storytelling practices and world-making experiences. For a conversation to take place, it is sufficient when two people start talking to each other. However, conversations are never happening just between two people. A conversation holds many bodies, places, stories and experiences. It develops languages and creates interpersonal and temporary dialects. Sharing is also a way of collecting seemingly individual circumstances. Our bodies host many narratives, speaking borrowed words, and making stories an important part of who we become. Stories travel between bodies, welling in them. Always in motion, they have no end. Words make worlds in which reality and its fictions travel through the tongue to become tales. Stories of Friendship is the 15th episode that emerged from a conversation with the constellating artist duo and friends Tara Niaula Ingvastotir and Silvrun Una Kludoksotir. I would meet Tara and Silla on our way to Sedis Fjordur during a very snowy and cold morning last January. The three of us were still a bit sleepy and excited about our arrival at Lunga School, where we were invited to lead two workshops thanks to Mariana and Lotte. Soon after arriving, it slowly became daylight. We were able to perceive the close contact between the sky and the mountains blending into the same shade of white and giving another experience of the horizon. Hours later, Tara and Silla would wear their red dressing gowns, becoming part of the house routines for days. It was the first time I saw them dressed alike, sensing that it would not be the last. Seeing them giving two different characters to the same piece of clothing also helped me to glimpse something that is very present in their work as artists. The way in which everyday life and art can become friends thanks to playful gestures and storytelling stimuli. The garish red would leave the house thanks to their swimming costumes. On this occasion, we would venture into the near-freezing waters of the fjord with Mariana, Juan Pablo and Ville, spending several hours inside a small sauna overlooking an ice beach. Seals kept us company in the distance, perhaps waiting for Mariana to swim back across the fjord, from shore to shore. In the sauna, we were joined by warm embers, snow snacks, carrying socks and gloves, passing from one body to another, kind silences and stories made of life and friends. When I invited Tara and Silla to a recorded conversation, I proposed a little play to them, to tell me separately about a memory of their friendship to add to this podcast together. Tara would tell me the story of the little bugs, reminding me of a similar situation during my university years. Silla would return to Athens, sharing past situations and present emotions that make friendship a living home, as Luth Broto would tell us in our podcast. In their short biography, Tara and Silla say that they have been shining their boots and working together since they've met at university. When asked about the reasons for studying art, both agreed that art is a space where it is possible to be many other things at the same time and keeping the artist aside. The artist becomes a shapeshifter, a temporary identity, also the excuse for a story with many other characters. This way of doing things has enabled them to become waterproof gallerists, heads of a company providing apology support, emotional dinner party hosts, hairdressers for naughty hairstyles, 
talking pipe suppliers or bird-shaped instrument players. Tara and Silla got married in blue, celebrating their friendship and their constellating life together. The wedding included a contract in which they signed a piece of advice that someone gave them. To put friendship first. Their friendship wedding was attended by many other friends, artists and works of art, officiated by the Icelandic Love Corporation and sweetened by the world's largest cake and intimate talks at night. This conversation with Tara and Silla took place at the end of May 2023. They were in Reykjavik and I was in Berlin, sharing spring skies with very different light intensities. During our meeting, a necklace was broken, a big bee slipped in between the stories, and many jokes filled in the meaning of the words. Performance as an artistic device is a medium that not only allows them to invite many other media, but also lets them play with the framework as themselves. With their performances, Tara and Silla make living stories that involve many other people, especially friends. They are artistic projects that want to be life-sharing moments, sometimes even without spectators around. This is something that happened at their first emotional dinner, inviting vulnerability to spend time and cook with just the two of them. Other emotional dinners had more guests and different feelings, such as eager anticipation or the impression of being sure. Tara and Silla's motto, Playful, not hostile, is an atmosphere that follows them and that they pass on to others, to those who participate in their projects, but also to those who spend time talking to them, whether strolling under the unseen aurora borealis, over breakfast coffee, inside a sauna, or through a computer screen many waves away. Stories of friendship are important and inspiring for many reasons, not least because they also make friends out of stories. This is a friendship story for Sonia and for Silbrun, who is not here with me. I will now begin to tell the story of the summer of the bugs. The second summer Silbrun and I spent together was the year 2019. And when I think about this summer, I kind of have this feeling of lying on the floor laughing together kind of just like rolling around <laughs> in laughter and we just both come back from Silurun was returning from Vienna and I was returning from Athens and we had all this energy after enjoying this sunshine <laughs> we arrived and we had like a huge plan for the summer we just went straight to Neskupstar to hold the second year of this art festival that we were facilitating and so we went straight there when we got back a few days after we returned and then from there we went to Lunka we were working in the kitchen there cooking from there we had an exhibition in Borkanas at Plant Beef Festival and from there we ended at Northern Punk a music festival in the countryside where we were tenting and in all these places we had been sleeping in rooms full of people we'd had many many hugs and cuddles with old friends and new friends. And at the end of the summer, we returned to Reykjavik and we were actually sitting in Silun's kitchen when I remember my head was feeling very itchy. And I just kind of asked her if she could check my head for lice, maybe because I kind of realized, okay, my head's been kind of itchy for a few days now. And she checked. And of course she found a little bug a couple of more little bugs and then she kind of thought well maybe you should check my head because it's also feeling a bit itchy and I checked her head and I found some little bugs and then we found more and more little bugs and there were little bugs everywhere little bugs in my hair then came a lot of belly laughs and head scratching we were in the shower and combing and combing each other's hair we're thinking we had to share a little disclaimer on the internet for the friends that we'd been sharing all these rooms with throughout the summer that we had maybe perhaps shared the little bugs with or who might have shared them with us. I mean, it's not 
like so wonderful to get lice or anything but somehow I just feel so fondly about this memory that this summer kind of ended in this bug combing laughing fiasco after this summer of wonderful togetherness wanted to try everything and I had this feeling that if I were to go to art school I could try all the things that I wanted to try there I kind of just like threw out an anchor like threw my fishing rod into the ocean <laughs> do you want to say then you and then we can talk about how our conception of art has changed first I always wanted to be like a chef because I loved food so much but I didn't want to cook for like so many 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 people and then I wanted to be like a costume designer. So my dream was to go into fashion design. And I thought, was, yes, it's practical. I can combine art and something creative. But also I thought costume designers had good salary. I don't know. <laughs> and then I, I went into like a pre-education in Denmark. And there I couldn't only take uh, design courses. So I took also painting and drawing. And then I kind of just fell in love with this, yeah, all these possibilities, but also just the studio life, being in the studio and making art with your friends and having these epic conversations and also the celebrations around art. And then I applied for art school and I got both into fashion design and uh, fine arts. And I decided to go to fine arts because of I could do everything there, you know. Mm-hmm. I could do clothes if I wanted, but I'm not doing clothes today, so... Thank goodness. Thank goodness that like we both, because we didn't know each other before. No. Although we're the same age and that we both applied and then we met there. Mm-hmm. You could have tried one year of fashion design and then maybe we wouldn't be here. Who knows? Maybe we would have ended up together anyways. Maybe. <laughs> At some party. <laughs> We met because we were in the same class in university. In the first year, we started to work together and we did a project. This kind of connects to how the perception of art changes, you know, when you go to school. Or in the first year, you start to go to like all the openings. You become so thirsty and like you want to see everything that's going on. And then we both had this feeling about like this culture of going to openings and then like what is this gallery space that was our first project was that we opened a gallery together in the school and then we held five-day opening festival where each day there was a new artist we did an open call and we had kind of this big celebration around it our first performance together we did was we got ready inside of the gallery as ourselves to invite everybody there and to open the gallery in like a very festive celebratory way which is something we've always held on to since then this kind of uh, celebration and taking different maybe frameworks of celebration like this openings and maybe putting it into a melting pot and like uh, building it up again for example for this uh, festival we had wristbands like it was like a music festival that we just made with some cloth we had different kind of foods and champagne and brunch and like making it into our own a bit but also playing with this format of the opening it's yeah the good and the bad sides i mean it can be very awkward but also very fun (laughs) pretty quickly we had signed up to do this summer job like creative summer job together and we were just having a lot of fun from this and so went rolling from there and then actually our professor which was big moment in this was that after this opening festival this professor we had received an email about from the cultural office of a small town in the east called Neskupstad that they were looking for someone to run off a new 
art festival in this house. It was a friend of hers was the cultural minister and she asked her, hey, do you know anyone who might be interested in doing this this summer? We have like a small budget and she just forwarded this email to us, which was kind of crazy to get this opportunity to get like a grant to basically move, I don't care, 40 of our, our friends and artists who inspire us over to this in like a van we rented a big van (laughs) to this small town and we had a two or three day long art and music festival which was crazy inspirational crazy amount of work but just like so fun so we just kept going we had three years of this joyous fun first you know when you dive so deep so early you cannot figure out okay this really works or or not it doesn't make sense it felt fun and I think I felt a lot the power of doing something together like how so many things are possible when you're collaborating and also with all of the other people the artists that were showing at this festival they were also helping because everything very DIY I think we learned a lot how what can be done the power of the people It was very early on where we discovered, even though we were taking on different parts or playing with different frameworks, like making a company or playing gallerists, we were always still Tarantilla, you know. We weren't putting on a facade, we were playing with the framework as ourselves. From that, it was just very clear to use our own names for everything. It would have been fun to have a, like a band name, but... <laughs> sounds a bit friendly like you know these two friends Huckleberry and Finn or something you know like yeah. Toad and Frog and it's also the same length our bodily height is also the same so yeah right. totally and when you're a teenager it's very embarrassing to wear <laughs> the same <laughs> clothes yeah. but there are these very great uh, like series now in Iceland called the twins or they're investigating being twins and the good and the bad things especially when you dress your children up as the same and how they can like like keep them away from individuality when you're always putting them or always comparing them also like stuff like it's super interesting uh, series yeah, and we are like very late, met later in life, and we still buy things. If we see two of the same things, we will buy them. We have some very ugly things in the studio that we just bought because they're the same. When Tara went to Athens for an exchange, she bought home like two, was it like building hats that you found? Mm-hmm. And two yellow vests yeah. and all kinds of the red robes and just she brought home so many things of two (laughs) but this we only wear you know in occasion you don't wear the hats no no although we maybe have a similar style day Mm. to day sometimes we end up looking like we had a coordination but usually these like these red robes that we have we only wear you know Absolutely. Speaking of names, because you were asking us about this name Tarantilla, maybe there wasn't quite like a meeting, a naming meeting, but we had, of course, some discussions about it and it just kind of felt right to use that. But we did a performance. There's a really epic artist-run gallery space that's a collective and they had a 20-year birthday last Friday and we wanted to honor them and what this like epic phenomena is so we kind of started to talk to the people who are the founding members and we learned about the naming meeting when they decided the name which is kling opang kling and bang which is like you know the sound the onomatopoeia the kling and bang (laughs) we asked the people who sat at the naming meeting 20 years ago to act themselves to be themselves and recreated the naming meeting when they decided on the name of the gallery, which was really exciting 
to hear these stories from them and we try to puzzle together how had been how they reached this conclusion but also adding kind of our our vision towards this myth um, of this space and how it was born so we wanted that to show in the performance so we had a person in the voting box so when everybody had voted a hand came out of the box with a name and then they all stood up and we did a cling with two glasses and then they threw to the ground these little uh, party poppers or like snappers that do a little bang when they hit the ground so it was realistic but also we wanted it to be a bit magical because for us this whole thing this whole story and the work that they've all done these past 20 years is really magical so we wanted the story to be kind of mythical as well and to add to the atmosphere because at the time everybody was smoking inside they all had fake cigarettes on stage but we also gave out to everyone in the crowd everyone also children these fake cigarettes so everybody was smoking together and the kids really loved it. <laughs> we just got some photos and then there's the f- pictures of the children like smoking and we hadn't foreseen that maybe no. when we decided to give everyone the cigarettes. <laughs> it should, just to put us back into this time where everybody was smoking still inside because now there's this law here that's mm-hmm. since 2006 or something yeah, you can't smoke in Iceland illegal. inside. Yeah, so they had kept all of the name ideas um, in a folder. We worked from that to make the script for them. So they were like announcing different ideas and talking about... That was also very fun because all those ideas were something that would never be, you know? Like all of the alternative possibilities of alternative lives of this artist-run space. And some of them were very spectacular ideas. One was uh, the airport. And they were a lot also thinking about back then in the meeting, apparently, how you could talk about the name, like what kind of slogans you could use. Like one suggestion was the name gallery, and then the slogan could be, you name it. And then one suggestion was the airport gallery, and then the slogan, or then you could talk about like going to the gate or going flying when you're going to the gallery. (laughs) And all kinds of fantastic ideas. So we pieced it together from this text, this documentation of the meeting but of course it's 20 years since then and nobody really remembered only there were 11 people you know there were two people who were not quite sure if they were actually at the meeting or not (laughs) but other people remembered them being there so we asked them to come I just broke my necklace. It can be fixed. Yeah, it's actually a necklace her little sister made. We can send it to you. We send it to you in the post. (laughs) We transfer you the necklace. I think definitely accidental, but also being in love with this kind of adventurous medium because you can plan all you want but then something always different comes out of it with her first performance it was straight away involving other people with this gallery opening and then i'm sorry company like one-on-one um performances and with the dinners and everything being excited to investigate these moments and how everything inside of the moments can be the artwork you know the facial expressions the hand movements the atmosphere Mm -hmm. and how that is the piece how it's so exciting this interaction how where you place something how people move around it you know someone reminded us the other day because after this gallery opening thing we made like a booth at a show. We're introducing the gallery. We had documentation. We'd asked people to explain what they saw at each opening. We had five different recordings of people explaining what they experienced or what they saw, basically. And then we'd made these coconut balls. And we thought it was really funny to make them really salty. 
So we made these coconut balls that people were tasting and then they were super salty so they couldn't really eat them. And this was so, so much fun. Like interacting with, you know, the people. When you create some situation and so you invite someone in, there's always this response. I think we just mm. love this, this moment. And now recently we've been talking about how, how these moments can be like a material between friends and can become material, you know. I guess in the earlier days we were a bit more cheeky because we also made uh, these different cakes. They were all real cakes, but one of them was made out of clay, but it looked the same. So you would cut into it and it would be very hard. And then we started to investigate more and more like what it is to work with people, how our interactions with them. And I mean, of course, we can't control their feelings, but what's important for us that people feel, that they feel good I guess yeah they don't feel afraid or that that they're being pranked or something especially in these participatory works how you invite people and it's such a fragile environment also because if somebody when everybody in the room is a part of the piece so little just if they're not feeling it or it's it's a bad vibe it's contagious through the whole piece we just talk about it a lot and how like different Mm -hmm. you know with all the texts that we write as like invitations we think about it to be understandable and welcoming through our discussions between ourselves we try to make this feel very clear like so even the invitation to come to the performance is already a part of the thing it's already clear that this is a welcoming that we are wholeheartedly inviting someone there was i don't know was it you or me somebody went to a performance and they didn't know anything about it that's when we started to talk about the importance of when you're involving people to give them knowledge what they're about to participate in because you're asking something from them so it is or we find it fair for our pieces fair that they know what they're jumping into because often the unknown is the most scary part, not the participation. Our favorite stories are stories of friendship. And I think that that's what is so dear to look back on what we've done together and with friends and then with people who have then become friends in these performances that there's always this like strong story of friendship that is, yeah, left. And then we were also talking about these epic stories, like with this naming meeting that we wanted to recreate, something that excites us very much. The myth changes between people. And this is also what performances leave. The performance happens and then this story that's left is able to travel somehow. And kind of, what's it called, like stuck, but it uh, mutates or evolves. Yeah, when stories travel to people. And we were having a dinner party the other day and these very visual stories excite us, you know, when people tell also stories in such a different way. And some people are so very thorough with details that you can so vividly see and what they are focusing on if it's the the face of the dog or something like this we recently also met a very dear storyteller that you also know Sonia (laughs) (laughs) which is Juan Pablo Plazas and he works also a lot with being kind of welcoming and himself in his performances and telling beautiful stories but also sometimes funny and playful and and sad Joan Jonas also and Agnes Varda and these people who inspire us but a lot of inspiration just also comes from listening to friends and family and Juan also told us he was analyzing how we tell stories and he he said that Tara was a he said something like I go into the story like boom 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 you know like the points are hitting somehow and that Silron she's like dancing around the story in a cloud you know and it's nice to think about how those two ways of storytelling meet dancing around the story so Tara was a bit more like she has the points bam boom bam 
and I'm like a, a cloudy storyteller, I guess. And at first I was kind of like, am I supposed to be offended by this? <laughs> Nothing comes across, but I guess it's just the different ways of telling a story. And I think it's just nice to imagine how it meets each other. I mean, I'm actually now looking into masters and moving my feet and I'm a bit cabin fevered on the island. So it's nice to, to sit down and remind yourself why you're here. But it's also the friends and the family, also the cliche, the nature and being able to go and bathe yourself in the mountains and have adventures and stuff. The art scene here is very small and, and can be very fun that it is small. It's easy to make things happen and do you have like a one story? A I one just story, talked about yeah. the nature because I'm very lucky that my family has a, my grandma has a summer house in the west and my mother has a summer house in the north so I have like access to go and just be in nature and I was a bit like sick recently so I was very seeing this calm lifestyle of just like living in the countryside making some art maybe somebody sees it maybe not you know <laughs> and just really living this slow lifestyle but as the summer comes in I'm a bit more kicking back or like kicking in or kick starting again but it's very strange with the weather because we kind of all collectively go into this uh, winter depression the whole country when the winter is and then all in the summer we collectively go into this summer sun mania <laughs> and people are just like literally running down the street smiling to their ears and you go to the bakery and it's like good day it's kind of like a musical you know, almost <laughs> but then the winter is again and some people have like described the relationship with Icelandic people towards the weather like mentally abusive relationship because you're always expecting it to get better and then it just gets worse and it's horrible yeah oh, and then you kind of forget kind of how difficult the January February months are every year every year I forget how mm difficult it actually is to be in so much darkness and every year we're promised sun and the sun kind of isn't that much here you know mm -hmm. weather is so interesting i love the weather and how changeable it can be watching the weather forecast is like a you know sport watching the sports or gambling on something <laughs> you read the weather it's your thing yeah and i don't really believe the weather reports so because I don't trust this weather reports. Because the weather changes very fast also, you know. It is a science. That never works. I just watched actually a movie of how this guy, when they were all beginning to go into weather forecasts, and he was like, people, people looked at him like he was not like a witch, but kind of like, what are you believing? You, you are a crazy guy. And he was like, we could prevent so many harms if you listen to me. <laughs> Weather forecast, yeah, they were looking at him like he was just like doing horoscope or something. Well, there's a really big bumblebee that wanted to come inside. They say that July and August will be very nice here, but June will be still very cloudy. But I'm hoping for sunshine. <laughs> Like you said, it's like how it works, you know, if you want to go and do like a really exciting project somewhere, you have to somehow write all this administrative work. It's like the shadow side of the artist, right? And we do actually have to spend a lot of time in the computer, you know, and doing this kind of thing together. We try to have like the fun meter has run its course, you know, we try to go home and have a bath or or maybe we will meet later in the night. But then we have like a rule. We cannot speak about administrative work and then it's really fun if like an idea comes to us and then we're being like naughty by talking about it like off hours and we're like <laughs> and I think through our practice we've learned to put our body health and mental health before maybe the works and so if somebody's not feeling well or we're very loose you know we can always change the 
schedule and up to how we're feeling to protect so it kind of can work and we also got a very beautiful advice from Taro's father who's been also working in a duo for more than 30 years or something, yeah, something like that. and he said to us on a, a summer afternoon on a bench we were sitting in a garden he said to us yeah the reason why it has worked so well through all these years is because they always put their friendship first before the art piece so if you're frustrated in the work process it's most important that our relationship survives but we're also very good at doing nice things for ourselves going out for dinner and going maybe looking at fun stuff in the secondhand stores or stuff like this (laughs) yeah we were frolicking around frolicking around doing some improv singing or playing or we were always going to go on these walks in the nature mountain stuff yeah maybe this summer we will have a new routine (laughs) i mean in the beginning when we were into school together it was almost 90 percent of the time we were together maybe but now it's a bit more life we have some work and we have partners and and family but we have a lot of mutual friends but we have a lot of mutual friends yeah so So. we meet very often and we work some friends you don't and I think that's the friendships that I cherish the most you don't have to it's so little effort you can just be yourself and it doesn't kind of tank your social meter you know it just gives into it We actually had the song. How does it go? You've got a friend. Do 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 Yeah, that was the. We had our friend Yona play on. Saxophone. saxophone this you've got a friend in me song while we walked down when the al- altar it wasn't an altar yeah, it was an altar it was a art long art. sheet <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> with flowers a long flowered sheet we first got engaged mm-hmm. and at the time we were thinking a lot about different kinds of celebration and we were always thinking about bringing people together and what weddings also do, they bring different parts together, um, different families and friends, all in one place, and to celebrate this one thing. But we also wanted to focus on to have a party, yeah, to have a party, a, a celebration for friendship, to put it on the same level as love, because often friendships even last longer than mm-hmm. love relationships. And we also wanted to emphasize on the celebration was also for everything that had been, you know, to celebrate the relationship as it is now and what has been and not maybe a promise for forever after, just as long as we both could imagine. As far as our imaginations can imagine, I think was in our contract. Silverun proposed to me. We'd been talking a lot about this wedding thing. There's just this format of celebration of the wedding. And it was a summer day in the northern, eastern, most village of Iceland. In the sunset. In the summer. Or, you know, when everything is orange. When the light is orange and the grass is green. And then she asked me if I wanted to get married. And then I said, yes! <laughs> Of course. One year later, we did the marriage marriage wedding. We did two contracts. We did one contract in friendship and one contract in art because there's a performance duo called the Icelandic Love Corporation and they actually kind of married us together and in conversation with them, they wrote this art contract and then we wrote this friendship contract which had this, um, yeah, these things about having friendship always in the first place that the friendship always is the most important thing because without the friendship there's no art you know so the ceremony was for Boros 
or you know about honoring kind of our relationship and then but the reception was like a festival of honoring kind of friendship and and art making in people who make art together so we asked for this cake we have two amazing friends who have experimental kitchen project so they're doing a lot of experimenting with food and they cook together and we asked them if they would like to make some kind of dish for the wedding so they came up with this the longest bread cake in the world they made this and then one of their partners is in a duo called Breaulaikera with crazy much to do they work a lot with wood and they made this plate kind of underneath the cake and then there were duos who have made performances together that they did performances and the musical acts in the end were by people who have been making music together and we wanted the whole thing just to really be about friendship and also honoring other people's friendship and just like what friendship can you can do anything if you're together We also had these five cakes where we asked five different people to bake a cake that represents friendship for them. We made like an installation with them um, where they were in different tents. So we wanted it to be an opportunity for people to have a truno, which is like this Icelandic term for having an intimate conversation in the middle of the night, most of the <laughs> Each tent in the field, we had like... Um, two forks and two pillows that you could sit on side by side and eat this cake together and hopefully have a, a nice conversation and we were like really hoping okay you know hopefully because you set it up and of course you can't force people to have an intimate conversation in tents but then later in the evening uh, the field was filled with people and it was just so beautiful to see all these friends having friend moments mm -hmm. together and also we held this held the wedding on a art farm that a duo is running called Finner and Ausler. And they've been a duo for and partners for many years. So it was very everything down to the last details we were thinking about friendships and collaboration in art. And our partners were our best men in the ceremony. And they even did like a little collaboration. They made their outfits and then they carried us away in wheelbarrows and hanged potatoes after the on the wheelbarrow. So It was like, a, you know, when you hang these cans, they wanted to have potatoes. <laughs> the dresses, we first wanted maybe find something vintage or secondhand, but then it, we felt it was important that it was maybe our color. We use a lot of blue in our works and when we write texts also and stuff. Then we sew on portraits of... Jane Fonda and Lily Tomlin, mm -hmm. who are like was epic friends, yes. you know. <laughs> I was going to say Grace and Frankie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Because I forgot their names for a bit. They're this epic friends duo and mm -hmm. that's what we aspire to be. Yeah. They've been working together since they met making the movie Nine to Five. So they were kind of also our maybe godmothers on our belly in this outfit. Mm -hmm. And then we had a first toe dance. So we were using all these like classical elements that you maybe have in the Hollywood movies, weddings. The first dance, the first kiss, but playing with it. That's what we really like to do. And with the first kiss, we had the first lick instead. And we made this uh, lollipop sculpture where we had crept down to force and we had like five licks together And this came from when we were doing an installation in um, the culture house here, the musical culture house. We did like a lollipop installation. So we had like lollipop uh, gravestones on the floor. But what we didn't um, foresee is that, of course, the lollipop sticks to the floor and it's very sticky. And also everything can quickly stick on the lollipop because... And then we tried to wipe it off with a cloth but then we found out the best way to make it clean for the opening was to lick it so we spent a couple of minutes maybe a half hour or something and licking all the sculpture which kind of just became a performance in itself you know tourists were walking through the culture house and looking at us licking the 
the sculpture. And we also had fences around the installation because the installation wasn't ready yet. So it was. But we just thought it was a very beautiful kind of posture and action and playful action, you know, standing there together and licking the floor. Mm-hmm. The word in Icelandic for lick is leikur, which also means making out. So we were kind of teasing people. Because we had it in the schedule, like, first make out. But they didn't know. <laughs> also, you know, you know friends. Uh, I used to do this as a kid, you know, like sharing a lollipop when you were six. Hey, it's strawberry taste. Do you want to taste? This kind of. We started with that eager anticipation because we wanted to work with a positive feeling and we were also excited about this feeling because, I mean, like most feelings, they have relationships to other feelings, but this feeling often comes either with disappointment afterwards, you've been very like looking forward to something and does it live up to the expectations or, or not, but you're excited. It's a very layered feeling so that we were very excited about that, but also because it was the first dinner we did and we wanted to do it with our friends and that people felt safe and comfortable because we were going on this emotional journey with them. Mm-hmm. And we thought a lot about how we started the dinner. We made this long speech to set out the framework and we had asked them to dress in an outfit that made them feel eager anticipation and asked them to bring one this and cook the feeling into it. People did a lot of like different varieties. Like some had working with maybe memories like ah this is the cake my mom always did for the birthday and i'm gonna call it ah you know like woohoo or you know and it was so fun and also because we kind of just set out for this adventure we didn't really know what would happen or if it was possible to manifest one feeling through a whole night you know what does that mean Mm. even and was the outcome was that people were sharing a lot of stories when they were feeling this emotion and kind of contemplating where in the body they would feel it and people some i feel it in the head or no i'm more of a belly person i feel it's definitely in the belly or my bones or and that's kind of how we kept the feeling alive just through storytelling to each other and there was so many laughter and a napkin got on fire and for all these dinners, we were thinking how we can capture these moments, the different varieties of documentation, like do we want to have a camera? How does that make people feel there? And and a recording system. So we've like played with different dinners of how we've like documented. And we've also done with one feeling, we were the, just the two of us. And that was when we were working with the feeling of vulnerability. And then we didn't have any cameras because we were naked cooking. Then we just took one picture in the end and then we had a recording device. And that was a really emotional dinner cooking. We were cooking a soup and we were putting different, the layered onion and all these playing with the words also. Yeah, and then we were just kind of talking while we were chopping the, and because it was just a sound, you can hear the chopping of the vegetables and then you can hear the soup starting to bubble. Yeah, we're just sharing stories about our vulnerability and when we feel vulnerable and then we were exhibiting it in an exhibition in Den Haag so we sent this photo in the post no sorry we sent to a printer there and they hung it up and we played the recording so we were having these like really vulnerable stories there for strangers kind of so that was also very vulnerable to have to be sharing these vulnerable feelings from afar but very sweet and also just thinking about how this like being naked makes you feel vulnerable. You're used to maybe being in the pool, in the changing room being naked, but yeah. like not together naked in the kitchen. <laughs> yeah, with knives and spices. But finally we did a naked performance. This was a milestone <laughs> in our practice now. <laughs> and then the soup was very hot. So the body was also vulnerable because when the hot water kind of bubbled on the body, it was very painful. <laughs> this idea with the dinners just really comes from having a lot of nice and intimate dinners with friends because it's so magical to it can be so magical to eat together if the atmosphere is right and the food is good (laughs) or very bad bad. then that's really funny also 
it was good to do this vulnerability. We really wanted, we always imagined it just the two of us. We never thought, or maybe we had an idea. Oh, let's have 10 naked people together. But we never, were, that was never <laughs> what was supposed to happen. <laughs> it was also For all these dinners, very important for us that there was no audience because then we wouldn't be able to orchestrate this atmosphere if people are just watching other. It's two very fragile things, eating and feeling, you know, and kind of also displaying your emotions a bit through stories or... To be sure, it was a collaborative performance with this, the epic performance duo, Icelandic Love Company, again, who later married us in the wedding. They were at a square and they were having a performance called the Trash Orchestra. They were kind of orchestrating the people to be flocking the trash, the sound of the cans and using the hands to orchestrate this scene. We'd like prepared a dinner for them and us, the four of us, we walked and we brought the table to the square. And so we sat with them and we had some like spaghetti, strawberries and champagne and or bubbly, probably just Prosecco. <laughs> because they're this duo, you know, that we admire and really... So we chose this feeling to be sure. That's the only one that we did with an audience, actually. It was live streamed into the gallery. And then in the end, we got into the, the boot of a car and the chauffeur drove us to the gallery space. And that was really cool because someone who you admire usually seems like to be sure of how, you know, life, sure about life somehow. It was really cool to sit with them and talk about this feeling of being sure, being sure about wanting to be an artist and being sure about what you're going to do tomorrow. We had all these conversations. Yeah. And it's also a very bodily emotion, a kind of a mystical body emotion people talk about how they feel it very in their gut the gut feeling kind of the myth of the gut feeling like what is the and it's maybe something we also are very curious about because sometimes we struggle with it of course to be in connection with your gut and making decisions and sticking with it and how do you know what's right it's a forever conundrum It started, didn't we have like a hair party, hair cutting party? Yeah, we colored our hair, crazy yeah. colors. Crazy colors and crazy cutting. In our practice, we always been fond of just taking different parts and trying them out. I'm a gallerist, I'm a hair cutter and playing with the role and but doing it together. And in this hair salons, people have to come in with no expectations. You know, there's a little conversation that happens before the hair cut happens. And then we cut it together, we start, and then we switch sides. So it's like a little bit of conversation between us on the person's head. Like, this is a bit short. I did it a bit short, and then the other... Ah, okay, I'll shorten me as well a little bit more. It's always free also, but the only thing is that you cannot have expectation. I mean, that kind of came a little bit later, the motto, because we realized that, of course, people have expectations when they get a haircut. Then we realized, okay, so we have to make it clear. If you want to have a haircut, then you shouldn't have an expectation for how it will go. And we're not bad. No, and we have had different trendy styles. One is like having shelves on your head. We really liked that one for a while. And then we also played with it and had different events around it. We did one with a friend who's a chef and she brought her chef knives. And then we had the wood board and then we, or she cut their hair with the knives like she was it was something we saw somewhere on the internet we yeah. thought it was cool <laughs> and then we also did a little print residency it was around christmas time when we figured out oh, maybe there are some people who haven't cut their christmas haircut so we decided to offer that to the people in this exhibition space and then we used their hair to print so like making different pictures with their hair 
That was super fun. That was really sweet. And then once we were just like by candlelight, there was a concert going on at this art festival that we organized. It set up the hair salon, but it was very dark. So we had like a candle and we were like moving around in the middle of the night, cutting people's hair. But we always decide it with the person. Usually we have, you know, a haircut we're excited about and we'll ask people like, would you maybe be up for having this haircut because we're excited about it? They say, yeah, maybe, but I'd rather have like longer than you say and then always try to follow these and then these requests. And then we have a bag of hair in our studio that was collected one time after some haircut. It's all dusty. It was at the school studio. It has like trash in it and stuff and it's just in a paper bag in our studio and every time we are cleaning it we usually have like a yearly spring clean and then one of us or probably me and maybe we should throw away the hair and then we just laugh and then it goes back on the shelf so it's been with us this whole time because it's the documentation of the haircut it's like hard to let it go with these parts, it's also Kitty's playfulness of diving into a role that you kind of know nothing about. This is the beauty of the amateur, mm-hmm. um, being a gallerist or being a haircutty or making a movie in a one day or something. We really want to make a movie. Feature length. Like feature length movie. Stay tuned. <laughs> Maybe surgeon. <laughs> the beauty of the amateur surgeon. <laughs> spring night in Athens when Tara was on exchange there and I came to visit her over Easter. We had just finished dinner at her place after a filming day at the beach and running into the ocean hand in hand. After a lot of giggles and spicy conversation we ended up with an idea which often happens when we're rambling and bambling and lost in conversation. We start to ping pong some exciting idea And somehow a game appeared to us in the midst of all the giggles. At the time we were thinking a lot about the frameworks of conversation and there's a playing field to bend and mend and restrict. So we thought of this game called Say It, Don't Sing It, where you have a conversation through already existing lyrics. After mapping out the rules in a haze, we started playing. Sentences flew around, surrounded by laughter. We were soaring, flying. There's not a star in heaven that we can't reach. And it's a black fly in your Chardonnay. After playing the game for a bit, we went out for a smoke. And the magical discussions began again. We talked about art and life. And there was a moment I looked at Tara and my heart was ready to burst. In what friendship lottery did I participate to have found such a special being. I felt complete. With Tara I can be a kid again, make games and play, but also dive into deep conversation and try to figure out what the things of this peculiar life are all about. I hold this memory, this night, so dear, because it made me feel like anything was possible when we are together. I forgot the time and place and was carried through the night with laughter and stories. You know that feeling when you're talking with your friend and you get all excited and the stories and thoughts go all over the place and it's hard to trace back what you're talking about to begin with. Promise No Promises is a podcast series produced by the Center for Gender and Equality, a research project of the Institute Art, Gender, Nature at the Basel Academy of Art and Design, FHNW. Conceived as a think tank tasked to assess, develop and propose new social languages and methods to understand the role of gender in the arts, culture, science and technology, as well as in all knowledge areas that are interconnected with the field of culture today. If you're interested to get more information about further podcasts and events related to this project, please visit dertank.ch.
or subscribe to our newsletter at info.kunst.hgk at fhnw.ch. Recording and editing Sonia Fernandez Pan. Final editing and voiceover Elena Cesar. Music S. McAvoy. Research team Tabea Rothfuchs and Marion Ritzmann. Press and communication Anna Franke. Technical support Esther Hunziger, Karin Bohrer, Konrad Siegel and Chris Handberg. Copyright by Institute Art, Gender, Nature, HDK, Basel, FHNW, 2023.